That's the word, man. Thank you, brother. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to do a baby dedication. Hey, on, on the form of giving, here's what I got to do. I get to be the deliverer last night. Uh, so many of you know my, my friend, Pastor Brian Taylor, planted a church across the street, E3 Church. Uh, because you guys have gave over and above, we give about 10%. Well, I was able to take them a check for two grand last night to bless them with their church plant. So that's, to me, that's so much fun that you guys get it. And he told me, he said, he said, tell your congregation, thank you. So I'm telling you, thank you, um, that we believe in what they're doing over there. Amen. Preaching the gospel of Jesus. So, all right. Well, family, why don't you guys come on up and we're going to dedicate a couple babies. It is so cool. Be fruitful and multiply. Tom and Tierney took that serious. And, uh, and we're going to dedicate Daisy and Isla. Such a fun thing. So here's what makes me feel young. Tierney was about your age when I, when I came to this church, I think. That's, hey, we're the same heights if I'm on a stair. I like that, bro. I just stay up here. Um, all right. Well, this is... <laughs> don't mess with me, bro. Um, well, baby dedications are always a lot of fun, yeah, and I am honored to do this. Uh, Tierney knows this. She left a note in my Bible when she was a little girl on a post-it note. It just says, I love you, Pastor Stan Tierney, and it's still in there. Um, so when I have bad days, I just go to that, and I say, somebody loves me. Um, so this is more than just a dedication. It's a family. You guys are my family, and I've watched Tierney grow up to be a woman of God, and um, you know she's working on Tom. Yeah, um, no, Tom's a man of God. And, and that's why I have so much hope for these two little girls is, as I was thinking about this, is they, they have a godly family. They have a family that loves Jesus and that gives them such a head start uh, to becoming the women that, that God intends because they're not here by accident. There is a purpose and a reason uh, for Daisy and for Isla. They're, God has a plan and I'm uh, excited that, that I don't have to wonder in the back of my mind what kind of home are they going to be in because you guys love God and you model that. And so to me, this is just an honor. Um, so glad to be a part of this. And so why do we, why do we dedicate children? Uh, well, Mary dedicated Jesus, <laughs> and if Jesus needed dedicated, then the rest of us need dedicated. Um, Hannah, uh, she brought Samuel to the, to, the, to the priest and dedicated him. And so it's more, it's more for us to, to be challenged to raise our kids to love God. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, raise up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And it doesn't mean that in the meantime, they might have their own little rebellious stages. You know, our, our kids can't be perfect just as we weren't perfect. Um, but I believe that, that, again, as God has a great purpose, that how you all live, and I know you love God, that they're going to have such a head start of, of what it means to serve Jesus. And it's not religion. You know, it's not just something that we do, but it's something that we live. And I'm proud to say that I know that you guys live uh, to love Jesus in everything that you do. So first of all, we recognize that, again, a child's a precious gift from God to us. And they really don't belong to him. I'm sorry, they don't belong to us, but to him. And there are nights <laughs> that you wish. God, could you just take this child so I can sleep? Um, because it's a hard thing. Second, we release ownership of our children to God. Understanding that God is responsible for the way in which each child is designed. Uh, you, you raise one and they have personalities and then you have two and you realize, whoa, opposite personalities. And then you have three and you're like, what in the heck? Um, because they're not the same personality and you have to raise them a little bit different, different types of discipline. Um, you know, what, what she may, what may work for Daisy may not work for Isla. Okay. A harsh word might crush her and she might be like, who cares? I need a spanking. You know, we, they, they're just, they're different and, and you'll discover that. The third thing is that we realize that God has left it up to you to show them his ways. That, that God, that's, that's our job. And so family, will you live Jesus in front of these two beautiful girls? Yes. yes. Church family, as they grow up in the church, um, as many of us have and many of us saw things that should never happen in a church family. We saw fighting and meanness that should never happen. That's not allowed at Change Life Church. All right. And here's the deal. How we treat each other, what these two little girls see when they walk in through these doors can determine whether or not they say, okay, God is real and God loves us. It's not a perfect family, but it's a graceful family. It's a loving family and it's a happy family. Will you live Jesus in front of these two girls? All right. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For Daisy and Islet, I thank you for Tom and Tierney and, and the rest of the family uh, that lives you and that they will see what, what it is to live in a Christian home, not a perfect home, but a grace-filled home, an encouraging home. And I, again, know that you have a, an amazing purpose for both of these girls 
And thank you for letting us get to be a part of it. And we dedicate them to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can clap. Love you guys. Awesome. Amen. Well, be fruitful and multiply. I love it. Amen. A great family. Well, thank you for, for allowing us to be a part of that. Baby dedications are always fun. Uh, well, actually, there was one I did that wasn't very fun because the older sister actually vomited everywhere as I was doing the dedication. That was a memorable one. Um, it's kind of interesting, but how y'all doing today? Doing good? Good? I was like, you know, every pastor will tell you, okay, Pastor Ron, he knows, Pastor Ron and Martha, they're, they're, they've pastored, and, and they know that rainy days are really hard to preach on because everybody thinks they're in Portland. <laughs> it's like everybody's just raining. So please bear with me. All right, anybody ever been to Portland? You don't really want to go there now, I don't think, but I've been there. Uh, but, but the rain will get you. The rain will kind of make you a little melancholy. And so first service, I actually had to coax them just a little bit and to say, at least fake it, all right? Because the, the, less, the less you amen, the longer I preach. And what good is that? Amen. That should be an amen, right? Because we don't want to be here forever. Uh, but I have a good message to you today. It's, uh, it's eight pages long, and normally I use four so we're going to have to stay focused. We're going to have to really just, just buckle down and get through this. But it's a fun message to preach. And uh, we're again in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Uh, Pastor Stevie preached a great message last week on what the disciples were doing after Jesus was dead. Like they were hiding in this room. They were scared. They were scared of, of the Jews. They were scared of the religious leaders. And they might even have been scared of Jesus a little bit because they heard he was back. The one that they kind of just left, all of a sudden he's alive and it's like, oh no, what's going to happen? Well, there's a story that is happening at the same time in a different location and we're going to talk about that story today. But first, I got to show you something. This week we met with our builder and I'm going to, sorry, Dan, you got that picture up there for me. I did it. That's what our new facility is going to look like. So, all right. All right. So I do got to show you, there's, there's a place that you can all hang out until church starts and that's if only I was a little taller, right there. Those are, those are chairs, and there's a, there's a coffee bar behind the glass, and the glass thing rolls up. So it's gonna, you'll be able to get your coffee and walk out. Uh, it's going to be an amazing thing. So that building is actually 25,000 square feet. The sanctuary is twice what this is, at least. Um, and it, it, it'll be out where the gravel is. And hopefully we can start pretty soon. Um, you know, maybe within the month. And uh, I'm excited about it, because it's going to be good. And then we're going to need more volunteers. All right. It's going to be a lot of fun. So things are going. Uh, building is more expensive these days. And so uh, we're just believing, again, for a miracle to take place. Um, again, we have a really good, healthy building fund. But again, as costs go up. Uh, so just continue just to pray about it. Uh, we are going to raise money for chairs. They're 50 bucks a piece. And we're looking at 500 to begin with. Uh, so if you want to buy a chair, just you can throw some money in the offering to save chairs. And we'll go to that. And, and our goal will be buy a chair for somebody who doesn't know they need Jesus yet. All right, but they're going to end up sitting in it. So, and if you buy a chair, you can't write your name on it in a Sharpie. It's got to be for somebody else. So, all right, let's, give, let's get into the message today. So I won't hold you here too long. Uh, this title of today is When Hope Dies. When Hope Dies. And you might be there today. You might be in a place in your life where you're like, I had hope and now I don't have any hope. And that's kind of the setting that's going on. Um, the setting is, is Jerusalem is being vacated. Okay, the Passover just happened. All these people gathered in Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of people gathered for a three-day festival and, and sacrifices and meals. And they came to celebrate the Passover. What was the Passover? The Passover was when the, when the Egyptians had the Israelites captive in the Old Testament. Um, there was, God was saying, okay, let, let the people go, let the people go. And Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And God was going to send a death angel to kill all the firstborn. <laughs> Praise God that I was born second. Right? <laughs> Didn't affect me any. Some of you might have been, uh, you know, like, hey, really? You might, the older brother gets to go? Okay. So the Old Testament Passover was the death angel was coming. And what they said was, you need to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your house. And when the death angel comes over, if he sees the blood on the doorpost of your house, he passes over you. That's where the name comes from, pass over. So, so your firstborn would not have died. And anybody that did not put blood on, the, on their doorposts, okay, the firstborn of the family died, even with animals. So it was a pretty significant thing. So these, these Jews were here to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem and they kind of missed the fact that the, Jesus was the Lamb of God 
that would shed his blood that would take away their sins forever so that you didn't need to keep sacrificing animals. So that's why they were there. So I want you to, to, to picture Jerusalem, if you've ever seen pictures of it, and there are thousands of people leaving Jerusalem. Okay, we'll say it was a Monday morning. It was the third day after it was over. Everybody's vacating the town, going back to where they live. And there's two guys that had followed Christ that are on this road to a city called Emmaus. It was a little town, basically, about from here to Meridian, about seven miles. Okay, so they're walking on the road. So that's the scene. There, there was a tragic loss after an expected victory. They were all excited when Jesus came into town and they, they were like, Hosanna, he's going to take over the Romans because the Romans were in control. And the, the Jews had this idea that the Messiah was going to free them from Roman slavery. Like, we don't have to deal with it. We get to be the kings. We get to be the rulers. And so they had this idea, man, this is going to be great. You ever had your team, you thought you won? You ever had those moments where your team was winning and you're like, yeah, and all of a sudden they lose? You're heading, you're like, no. You ever had those moments? It's always fun when you're on the winning end, all right? But we've all had those tragic moments. Like we have this expected victory and all of a sudden we're losing and that's what these guys are at. They're in their state of mind is we thought he was the Messiah and now he's dead. Like what, what do we do now? And you might be in that spot in life. So let's back up just a tiny bit. The angels uh, were at the, at the graveside. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And Mary and the other Mary and these ladies went and saw that Jesus was dead. He's in the tomb. And we're going to go anoint his body. So they're on that way early that morning. And, and he, they run into these angels. And the angels are like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He, he came back to life just like he said he would. Right? He told you. And he's not here anymore. So they go back and they tell the disciples. And the disciples don't believe him either. They're like, you're just a bunch of crazy women. That's, that's kind of their mindset here, okay? They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, he ran to the tomb, and he bent over, he looked at the strips of linen by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. How many times did Jesus tell them, I'm going to come back, I'm going to die, I'm going to get crucified, I'm going to come back three days later. He told them over and over again, and somehow they just missed it. Why did they miss it? Because their emotions were so whacked. Their expectations were so much different than what God's plan was that they couldn't even believe that he would have kept his word. And so they're in this emotional, stressful time, and they just can't figure out what happened. Okay? So here's the story. It says, now the same, same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Again, the disciples are all in one room hiding in Jerusalem. These two guys are vacating. Uh, we'll learn that one's name is Cleopas, and we don't know what the other guy, well, he has no name. He has no name. We'll call him, what's his name? Or what's his face? Whatever you prefer. We'll just say, what's, what's his, who, who thinks what's his face is kind of a rude thing? Wow, one person has feelings in this building. Um, the rest of you are okay with it, right? So we'll just say, what's his name? We have, he has no name. And so they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Cleopas and his buddy, they're just walking along. And if culture holds true, they're very animated. I mean, they're, they're like talking about, I can't believe this happened. And he was said he was the Messiah and this has happened. And they're throwing their hands up. You ever seen Italians eat or talk? Yeah. Okay. They're not Italian. Well, maybe these guys were, these Jews are kind of the same way. Very animated, very animated. And if culture holds true, they were just like, I can't believe this. He was, he was alive. And then he's healing people and he raised Lazarus from the dead and he healed the blind and he does. And now he's dead on a cross. What's up with that? I don't know what's up with that. Cleopas, what do you think? And they're just going on and on and on. If culture holds true. And they were then in that state of mind. And it says then Jesus all of a sudden just appears as they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself come and, and he walked along with them. I think he just appeared because he's appeared a few times. Just boom, he's just there. And he's walking again. There's thousands of people walking out of Jerusalem. And, he's, and he comes up and he's walking with them. But they didn't recognize him. He kept them from somehow recognizing him. And he asked them in verse 17, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, they stopped, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? Are you the only one that doesn't know what has happened? And Jesus says, what things? You ever played dumb? Like when you know something that other people, they don't know that you know, and they're talking like they know everything, and you know way more than they know about the situation, but you just let them talk. And in your brain, you're like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. It's always fun to do that. What things, he asked. And about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. 
downgrade from Messiah. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, big, big, big word there, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, he was going to take over the Romans and let us rule again. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. How many men are married to amazing women? I got one. I got my women keep amazing us. All right. They were, they amazed us. He said, and they went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came, we all laughing for, um, right. They came and told us that, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but him, they did not find They're talking to Jesus, right? And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Didn't, didn't, he, didn't he tell you? Didn't the prophets tell you he would be crucified? That he would be raised, to the, raised from the dead three days? Or didn't he tell you that? Are you as slow to believe the truth? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, verse 27, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he sat at the table with them as a guest, okay, he's, he's, he's invited there. He takes the bread, he gives thanks and he breaks it and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And like Bilbo Baggins at his birthday party in Lord of the Rings, Jesus just disappears, just gone, all right? And then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then they took off running, like they're going back to Jerusalem to tell the guys, hey, he's alive. And you know, Pastor Steve, you told you last week that they already knew. Do you ever have this like exciting news and you go tell somebody and they already know? Isn't that terrible? With, with Facebook and Twitter and all these things, man, you can't even share a surprise anymore with other people knowing. So that's the setting here. So let's talk about this. I'm going to stick close to my notes if you're okay with that. Because uh, again, it's eight pages. I'm used to four. Y'all good with that? All right. Uh, so Jesus plays ignorance, okay, as he walks with some followers. Again, what's important about not knowing, what's his name? What's important about Cleopas? You don't hear much about Cleopas. You know, you know the, the other disciples. You know a lot about them, James and John and Peter. You know about those guys. But, but why does Jesus, first of all, show up to a prostitute or an ex-prostitute, Mary Magdalene, who he delivered seven demons from? So a, a demonic prostitute, that's like two really bad things, right? And, and he shows up to her, her first, Think about this. He doesn't go to his favor. He doesn't go, okay, well, John lived a really good life and never sinned. And he's, man, he's, so I'm going to go to show him because he's really important. He, he's always loved God. And, and, and no, he, who does he go to? He goes to the one that I think he mattered to the most. He goes to the woman who's been forgiven of a whole lot of baggage, who's been serving him. He shows up to her first. And now he appears to Cleopas and what's his name? Okay, unimportant people. Not the most important people does he show up to first. How important is that for us? That means that we have a chance. That means that God notices those who are broken. He doesn't notice those who are just, you know, way up here and they've never sinned and they've always done great things. You know what I mean by never sinned? They pretend like they haven't. And, and, and he shows up to the, the, the ones that nobody really knows anything about. And if you read this too fast, you miss that. So God knows you. God sees you today. You as an individual, God sees you where you're at right now. Lost, broken, you may think, I, God doesn't even really know who I am. People don't know. It doesn't matter. God knows who you are. And that's the first ones that he went to. I love that. He goes to, to Mary first and then to the Cleopas and what's his name? We'll probably find out in heaven. And he shows up down, and I love that. And I think we need to look out for those who maybe are missed in society and love them a little more. Okay? Find the ones that have got their heads down. Say hi to them. Okay? When you're in a store, that's really being Jesus to people. Jesus hides his identity here. You ask yourself, why? Well, here's maybe an answer. Because what they just experienced with Jesus dying on a cross, their hopes and dreams were dashed. You see, they had their expectations dashed to the ground like Dodger fans have had for so many years. Yeah, 
30 years without a World Series, getting so close, going to World Series games only to have their dreams and hopes dashed, except for last year. They won. Unfortunately, they won during the year of COVID. They had no fans to celebrate. They had to win by themselves. All right. Sorry, Donnie, to bring baseball into this, but it fits. They had this idea of what it was going to be like. Expected victory, tragic loss. And Jesus meets them where they are. You see, not everything that doesn't look to be of God doesn't mean it's not God. So what's going on in your life right now, you might think, how can this be God? How, how, how can this be God? Well, it might be God. It didn't look like this was of God because they were expecting a savior as a king and now he's dead. Didn't look the way they thought it would look, but God always has the last say. And Jesus hides his identity to these followers for a reason, okay? They weren't in the main 12 disciples, but he just kind of wants to talk to them. Jesus steps into their conversation uninvited. Do you ever love that when people do that? Like you're talking and they kind of whispering and somebody just kind of gets close with their ears. Do you ever have anybody like that? Yeah, does it just annoy you? Thank you. Okay, because it does annoy you. It does annoy me when somebody chimes in on a conversation. Maybe you're on Facebook having a conversation and somebody chimes in with a different opinion. That never happens, but uh, it happens. All right. And he steps in their conversation uninvited, which is usually annoying, but here it's not. And Jesus just said, hey, what are you talking about? And they're like, are you the only one that doesn't know? You have to ask that question. What are you talking about? Didn't, didn't you see what just happened in Jerusalem? <laughs> like, did you see about Jesus? Did you hear about him? And they crucified him. We thought he was going to take over. Friday, they're shouting Hosanna. Monday, they're mourning because he's dead. Where have you been? And Jesus is like, what things? Okay, he's just, he's just playing like he doesn't know here. Not everything that happens is God's will, but nothing is out of his control either. See, not everything is God's will. People say, well, God's will be done. Well, God doesn't get his way a lot of times. The Bible says that he wills that none perish. What does that mean? He wills that none go to hell, that people go to hell every day. God doesn't always get his will. He doesn't always get what he wants. He, he doesn't want uh, a lot of things that happen in this world, but a lot of things happen in this world is because man is made with a choice. And sin enters the world, and there's a lot of bad things that happen. So you have to come to grips with not everything that happens is God's will, but nothing is out of his control either. He is in control of the whole thing. Amen? Page one. Got seven more to go. Yeah, I like that. Hey, yes, what are you discussing? Okay, what are you discussing? And here's the thing is, are you the only one that doesn't know? And I, my thought was, he's the only one that did know. Jesus is the only one that knows completely what's going on. He's like, you guys don't know anything. You, do you think I don't know? I know the whole picture. I know everything that's happened. And, and these guys, they have this little tiny view of what they know. And, and Jesus is God in the flesh and he knows how it all plays out. So what's going on in your life right now? You're like, don't you know, Lord, what's happening? God says, yeah, but I got it under control. I see the big picture. You're just looking at it right here, but I see the whole thing. Jesus is really the only one who did know what is going on. And here's, here's what I want to tell you is the crowd isn't always right. It's just because the crowd is going a certain direction does not mean it's the right direction. And we've got to be careful of this in our world today because there's a lot of crowd going a lot of direction. We have to make sure it's God's direction. Don't follow a crowd just because it's going in the way that the crowd's going because it's really easy to do that. The crowd isn't always right. Amen? It's not always right. So in their minds, not only was Jesus dead, their hope was dead. They're not devastated here. Get this, hear me. They're not just devastated because Jesus died. It's not like Jesus' death caused this, oh no, Jesus is dead. You know, you know what died? Hope died. Hope died. Jesus was part of the plan in their brain. Jesus is the Messiah. He said he was the one that's going to overthrow Rome. He's the one that's going to set up this physical kingdom so we can be kings and queens again. So it wasn't the fact that Jesus was dead. It was that their entire hope that what Jesus was going to do was dead. They're like, he was the Messiah. We thought he was the Messiah. Now he's not the Messiah. We thought he was, but he's not. Now what do we do? Because Rome is still in control. I'm going to here to tell you, don't, don't serve God just for what he can do for you. Because he's already done enough. Amen. The cross was plenty. And a lot of people picture God as this genie in the lamp. Like, I'm going I'm to read my Bible. God's going to come out. I'm going to tell God what I need. I'm going to go to church. And God saw that I went to church. And he'd be like, hey, hey, Gabriel, man, he went to church today. What do you want? Because you went to church. Now, we've got to watch what our motive is. We go to church to learn to be more like Jesus. And we go to church out of appreciation of what he already did on the cross. All right? Anything else is just bonus. 
God is not our genie. God is not our vending machine that we just get to put in our money and our tithes and pull which button we want to get what we want. That's not how it works. We give out of thankfulness because of what he's already done for us. And that's really what's going on in, in Cleopas and what's his name's mind. Was we, he, he said he was the Messiah and he's not. And now we don't get what we, now we're not going to get what we wanted. We wanted freedom from the Romans. We had hoped, verse 21, that he was the Messiah. I guess he wasn't who he said he was. He was a prophet. Again, great man. But prophet and great man is a big downgrade from the Messiah. And you got to think Jesus is walking along with this group, this group of two guys. And what did Jesus think about that statement? When they spoke that, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was going to redeem Israel. And he, in his mind, went, I did. I did. I did. You got to put yourself in Jesus' mind and in these guys' mind. They're just walking on. We thought he was. So what did Jesus think about this? It was like the show Undercover Boss. Right? You just say stuff and you don't know that it's your boss writing the check and you're saying all this stuff too. And then he goes to verse 22 and they're like, and then even further, these women amazed us and they told us they couldn't find his body and saw a vision of angels who said he was alive. Now, why is this so important? As, as Americans, ladies, don't get offended, but you're blessed to live in America. Okay, equal rights and all that. All right, you're, we're blessed to live here. Why do I say this? Because in this culture, and there's a lot of cultures still like this, but why was this even brought up? Why did the guys say, some of our women amazed us? Well, you understand, in this culture, women could not talk in court. A woman's testimony was invalid in the court of law, as was a shepherd's. So ladies, when you were saying things in these days, okay, it wasn't even believable. It was as if a woman's emotion was thought to misconstrue reality. Yeah. You know what these guys were saying? Women exaggerate. Women get all caught up in emotion and they say things that they don't mean and they see things different than they really are and that's why we don't allow them in court because we can't believe their testimony. And if you didn't know that part of culture, which I'm gonna guess most of you didn't, now this makes a little more sense when these guys are like, yeah, these ladies came and said he was gone. We can't believe the emotional women, but that's what they said. And then we went and checked it out just to see if what they were saying was true. And if you're a husband, you understand that your wife is right more than you think she is. Right? Ladies, I need your help there because I can go the other direction really fast. Okay. Um, I, I'm just playing the odds here. I'm like, like playing, playing whoever's amen in the most. Because I know your wife's not emotional. She never makes things bigger than they are. Let's keep going. Yeah, that was culture. Can't even vote because their, their emotion was thought to misconstrue reality. So he said he was alive, but he's not alive. And now Jesus in verse 25 shows some frustration and he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And I believe that he went probably from Genesis to Revelation. And he talked about original sin. In our Wednesday night Bible study, we were going through Genesis verse by verse. And we're going to go through the whole book. So it'll take a lot of long time. But I'm having so much fun with it because we're learning a lot of things. And, and we saw the original sin. Jesus was introduced like in Genesis chapter 3. Like, okay, there's a problem. Adam and Eve sinned. Now I need to create this fix. And Jesus was actually prophesied. Well, now the prophecy is coming to pass. And they thought it was coming to pass. And then they realized it's not what we thought, at least in their mind. Because what appeared really wasn't what was true. And so they're, they're in this mindset of, wow, we, we had our expectations, and I guess that's not. And Jesus is like, you guys, how foolish you are to not believe the word of God. How foolish you are to not believe that it's going to happen the way that I said it was going to happen. And so Jesus explains all this stuff. He's putting all these puzzle pieces together. See, our world says it's foolish to believe in the words of Jesus. And Jesus is saying it's foolish not to believe his words. In our world today, guys, we are, we are not in trouble as Christians, just so you know. We are saved. We are only here for a, a, a limited time. This world is not it. This world is not it. Jesus is going to come and take us home. It only gets better for the Christian. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, it gets worse if you don't give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's a heaven and there's a hell. What is the beauty of what Jesus did is there's hell to pay for our own sins if we don't give them to Jesus. That, that's why he came was there's, there's hell there. It's a real place. Um, you read the end of Revelation. It's a lake of burning fire. It is not a place you're going to go and hang out and party with your friends. Anybody ever been burned like pretty good? And if you imagine that burning forever, only worse. That's what hell is. And I take that very serious. Okay. That, that's what the whole gospel is about. There's, there's good and there's bad. There's good and evil. And there's two destinations. And so Jesus came to save us from spending eternity in hell. Who wouldn't want that? 
right? Who wouldn't want that? Wow, got really quiet in here. Like, is that a loaded question? Uh, just say nobody should want that, right? All right. So Jesus is like, it's foolish not to believe what I said, okay? And here's what I, I believe. We often put people's feelings over facts so we don't address the truth. We don't address the truth. Okay, it's possible to care more about people's feelings on earth than their eternal destination. It really is. Well, we don't hurt their feelings, but guys, eternity has to be dealt with. So here, this leads to a, a question. Would you let someone get on a plane that you knew was going to crash? Like you absolutely knew this jetliner is going to crash. Everybody is going to die. And my friend or my relative wants to get on it. They have a ticket to get on there and they're all excited. And they're, they're like, man, we get to go here. It's gonna be great. Would, would you in your right mind, allow them to get on that plane. You wouldn't. You would do everything in your power to stop them. Like, I have, this thing is going to crash. The 100% chance is going to crash. Everybody's going to die. I can't let you get on the plane. And yet when it comes to heaven and hell, we, we kind of stay quiet. And now I'm not telling you, you need to go knock on everybody's door and tell them they're going to hell if they don't get saved. That does not work. You probably get punched in the face, okay? That's not the word. How, how, what is evangelism? Evangelism, guys, is just living Jesus. It's all it is. You don't even have to open your mouth most of the time. You just act like Jesus. You're loving, you're kind, you do what's right, you work hard. That's what evangelism really is because people will read your life way before they'll read this. They'll read your life. Okay? They'll watch how you react to things and if you react, probably they're going to want what you have. Okay? They're going to want what you have. So somebody gets on this plane, you're like, well, they were so excited about the trip, I just didn't say anything. You wouldn't do that in real life. So we have to live Christ in front of people. The Bible says that the word of God, this is Hebrews 4, 12, is alive and active. Okay? And that's why as these people were walking along, these two guys were walking along because they said, man, weren't our hearts burning within us? Something was happening as Jesus was talking to us. They didn't know it was him until the end. They're like, something was resonating in us. Hope was, was being ignited. We thought it was him, but how, how this man was telling us about what the Messiah was going to suffer and how he was going to come back, something ignited in us. Our hearts were burning. We, we knew that what he said was true. So why do you think the Bible is so offensive to non-believers? Let's talk about that just for a moment. Okay, the word of God is alive in more, than, more way than one. He's alive, he's in heaven, it's Jesus, but he's also the word. Because John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So Jesus is the word, he's, he's the word in the flesh. It's offensive to non-believers because it's alive, Okay. There is no other book in history that has offended more people than the Bible. Why is this? Because it's alive. Here's what I've come to know. It touches the spiritual condition of each person who hears it. That's why the Bible offends people. That's why Christians, what you believe about sexual immorality, it offends those who are living in it because they know deep down that it's true. If it wasn't true, why would they be offended, okay? We hear about the Quran. Okay, there's some things in the Quran about killing infidels, which would, would we consider that? But that never gets talked about. The Satanic Bible, when's the last time you heard that mentioned? It's out there, okay? And yet the word of God gets attacked. Why? Because it's alive. Here's my question to an atheist. If you don't believe in God, why in the world does the Bible bother you so much? <laughs> why, would you, why would you care? Why do you care if what I believe about immoral sex or sin, if it's not true? If you don't believe it's true, why does it offend you that I believe that way? I do not get offended about what people believe about aliens. There's like publications out there on aliens are going to come back and get us. It does not keep me awake at night. I don't care. Why? Because aliens aren't real. So if, if people really believe that God's not real, why in the world are you so against the Bible? You should just not care what we say about sexual sin or sin in the world, right? If it's not real, why would you care? But they do. Why? Because the word of God is alive. It touches the spiritual condition of people who hear it. See, God's word is true, and he is going to come back and take us home. Amen. My moment of death is going to be the greatest moment in my life. Okay? It's going to be to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what it says for those who believe. All right? I'm not from here. And I need to quit living like earth is my eternal destination. It's not. So we see all kinds of crazy going on in the world. We see the, the end times and there's a lot of things that, that I probably should preach on in the next month or so about what's going on in the end times and how chaos has to reign for the Antichrist to take power. Because if everything's cool in the world, we don't need an Antichrist. But it gets crazier. People become more rebellious and we're seeing that in our world. So I don't look at it and get like, oh, what's happening in the world? I look at it and go, you know what? It's labor pains. Okay, the baby's coming, right? It, it, it's happening. We're seeing things going on in this world. So we don't have to live afraid. We don't have to live uh, uh, to be afraid of death. 
Why? Because to be absent from this body is to be present with Jesus. And that's, I'm looking forward to that. Amen? Because we don't have to worry about stuff anymore. It's going to be a great thing. So where are you at today? Are you, are you living in faith or are you living in fear? You say, if you're living in a bunch of fear, that means, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. Just so you know, this is me personally. I'm not afraid to die. The how might be interesting, um, right, but I'm not afraid to die. Okay, I almost lost my eyeball yesterday. Can I tell you the story? Brian will appreciate this. I was pressure washing a, a, a triple clamp on a motorcycle and it's got bearings on it. All right. And so I was pressure washing the bearings. I had done the motorcycle and I thought, oh, I need to do this. So I took my safety glasses off already, started it back up, started pressure washing this triple clamp and the bearings was spinning. This is, I know better. Okay. But it was working on one. And I hit the other triple clamp, and I heard it going like that. And all of a sudden, I felt this huge, like somebody hit me with a ball-peen hammer right in the chin. Just bam! And I was like, wow! And blood started pouring out. And, and I looked, and the, the needle bearings exploded, just like a grenade. And it got me right here. And it, I mean, it would have totally poked my eye out. I'd be preaching with a patch today. I have to focus on you guys now instead of this side. Um, but I shut it off, and I went, Jesus, thank you, because... That just about killed me. I mean, it was going a million miles an hour, and it's the size of a tic-tac. I mean, it wasn't this little tiny thing. And, then, and I was like, blood, and I said, hey, Travis, <laughs> like, here's what you don't do. No, don't do Then don't take your safety glasses off. But, but it literally about knocked me out, and I was like, wow, what a feeling, okay? And it was one of those moments I was like, Jesus, thanks for protecting me, okay? Because that was kind of done what I was doing. It was working, but... Um, but sometimes when we, we, we do something with good intentions, we have these results that we're not quite proud of. And here's what God is, has to say about that is from things that you might have done that messed it up, but I'll fix it if you'll let me. That's how God works, okay? He works with that. So back to these followers not believing. Do I ever frustrate God by simply not believing him at his word? Because that's what Jesus was showing here, a little frustration. He's like, guys, how foolish you are to not believe what I told you. How, how you just got, okay, level with me, guys, here. I got to start from Genesis and tell you Revelation. This is how it all plays out. You need to believe the word of God. Do I ever frustrate him by simply not believing in his word for doubting what he says? At the same time, okay, he got their honest opinions because they didn't know who he was. He, they were just talking like, this is what we're feeling. We thought he was a son. And I guess he wasn't because he's dead and we don't know what to do. We thought it was, and, and they're going on and on. And he's hearing this whole conversation. And again, he got their honest opinions. That's really what prayer is to me. It's just being open with God. Just being open, just talking to God. This is what I'm frustrated with. This is my emotions. I'm feeling angry now. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling bitter. I'm feeling a lot of this stuff. And Lord, I just need your help. I think God appreciates that. I don't think God likes it when you lie to him and say, no, it's all good. Everything's great. And in your heart, your heart is just torn out. God wants you to be open with him. That's really what prayer is to me. Of course, there were times, if you read much about Jesus, that he knew people's thoughts. Like he knew what the Pharisees were. He knew, he knew what people, and he would call it out, what he was thinking. And as I was reading that thought, wouldn't that be awkward for the disciples at times? Like the disciples knew that, that Jesus could read people's thoughts. And, and imagine 11 of the disciples, because Peter was married. He wasn't looking at any women. But the other 11 disciples were real men. And imagine them walking down this road and one of the disciples, James, is like, whoa, she's hot. And Jesus looking at him going, uh, she needs you, Lord. She needs you. She just needs you, Jesus. And, and in his mind, he's going, why did I think that? Why did I think that? And Jesus is probably just shaking his head. I bet there was moments, because I know men and I know the character of men, that they notice beautiful women and Jesus probably just gave them a little look like, yeah, I know what you're thinking, boy. I've been like, can I just be one of the disciples that nobody knows about? Like the 13th one? Because I don't want you to know what my thinking is all the time. So world events that are going on, are you frustrated or are you excited? Hey, I think we're seeing what Jesus told out to look for. Why do I say this? Because what Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen the way that he wants it to. So what you think is the end could really be the beginning. The things that you didn't get could be God looking out for you. That person that you didn't marry, that you were all about marrying, God might have went, no, I'm going to save you from this. Because okay, we, we look at these events and go, this didn't turn out the way I thought. And God says, no, I had no the big plan. You, don't, you didn't want that. Yeah, I mean, you wanted that, but you didn't want that. You wanted the car because it had a nice body, but you didn't have to deal with the engine because the check engine light will always be on. <laughs> right? That's the way God works. Again, these followers are so convinced in their minds of how things were going to play out. They didn't seem to be open to the fact that God had other plans. And this might be you today. You might have these ideas. This is how it's supposed to go. 
And God says, no, that's not how it's supposed to go. Okay, some things are going on that you don't understand, but God has a bigger plan. You have to be open that there could possibly be another way God works it out in your situation right now. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, it may not be how you would do it, but who knows better, you or God? God does, okay? I'm God's, I have to allow him to do what he needs to do in my life. So we often spend time in prayer telling God how and when he needs to do his job instead of just asking God, do something in me so that I can react appropriately okay, to do what, what I should do. My question for you here is, are you okay when God changes plans? You have, you have to be okay with that. When God changes plans, you gotta be okay with that because he knows more than you do. His plans are better than yours. And here's what's amazing. In your times of doubt, he still doesn't write you off. I love that. He's walking with two guys that are kind of unknown, guys that are doubting. They're just on the road, just not sure what happened. And here is Jesus walking with them, giving them encouragement. He has so much grace for our humanness at times. So Jesus confronts them. Hey, how foolish you are. And then he encourages them. And then Jesus goes back, right? Uh, Again, starts in Genesis to tell them the whole plan. And wouldn't it be great if God told you the whole plan? No, you don't want to know what's coming, right? You don't want to know what's coming. Ladies, you don't want to experience childbirth before you get pregnant. If God says, here, I'm going to give you like 24 hours of labor <laughs> before you even conceive to see if you really want to do this. How many of y'all would be like, get away from me, boy, ain't going through that. But be honest with me, he'd be like, no, too much for me. You don't want to know everything that's coming. You really don't. We, we often ask, God, oh, just show me. You don't want to know. But let me show you what's happening here. As Jesus goes from Genesis to Revelation or whatever he's talking about, you ever, you ever seen those, those painters or those sand artists that start making this abstract thing? Like on YouTube, you see them there, they've got the sand and they're doing all this stuff and you look at it going, that, my, my two-year-old can do that. And the painter's doing all this crazy stuff and, and you're like looking at it and, and halfway through it, you're like, still doesn't make any sense. Three quarters, you're like, it still doesn't make any sense. 80% doesn't make any sense. 90%, you're like, I see a tree maybe. And then and 96%, when he starts doing his thing, you see the picture of Jesus and the cross. There's like something amazing, um, like a unicorn or something. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? It's because the artist knew what the end was before he started. And he knew what he had to do to get to the end. The problem is with humans, we don't know the end, but we want to know the end. But we're not willing to go through all the stuff that looks messy to get to the something beautiful. And we have to be okay with that. And what Jesus is doing with these two guys is he's winding this and he's weaving this whole story together to say, this is how it has to be. Jesus is putting every puzzle piece that they don't understand. They're looking at it and Jesus begins to put the puzzle piece together and it begins to come to light. And they begin to see from a different perspective. And that's really what Jesus is doing is he's helping them see through a different perspective. And today, some of you need to look through a different perspective because you're looking at it as, well, this is my issue and this is what I'm dealing with, but God has a bigger plan. Okay, you can get so focused on your problem that you don't see anything else. We hold our problems way too close at times. God is doing something amazing in your life. And I love it that Jesus takes the time to, to explain to these two guys that we don't really know anything about because they're in a really confused place in life. And, and God sees you if you're in that spot. You're in a confused place. You don't get it. You don't understand. And Jesus will take the time to give you peace. He'll, get, he'll take the time to sit down with you and say, son, daughter, I love you. I'm sorry you're facing this. I'm sorry you're going through this. And I will be with you through it. What I need you to do, son or daughter, is just to keep going, to keep taking one more step because there is a great plan and it's going to play out just the way I scripted it. We all need someone at certain times in our lives to help us see, again, a different perspective. And Jesus is patient with them and yet firm. And so as we bring this message to a close, I want you to think about this, that these guys have spent the last three to three and a half years of their lives expecting a great victory over the Roman Empire and their world just fell apart. They had these hopes and these dreams and these plans and everything just came to pieces like a bearing under a pressure washer. Okay, just explodes and and you're like, what happened? What happened? And you might be here today and here is Jesus giving them life and hope and everything hinges on the next thing I'm gonna tell you. He's giving them all this stuff and they don't even know it's him walking next to them. Isn't this beautiful? In your life, there are times that Jesus is walking with you, you just don't see it. You don't feel it. 
You don't even know if he's real anymore. And he's still there walking next to you. You just don't recognize him. Some of y'all that lived in a lot of sin before you came here, before you got saved, Jesus was walking with you the whole way. He was there. Even maybe if you tried to push him away, he was still there. Why? Because he loves you and he has a plan. He was with you even when you can't feel him. He's, even, he's with you even when you don't recognize him. And that is a beautiful part of this story that I never really thought about before. They, they don't even know it's him and yet he's there. So today, if you've doubted whether God is with you or not, I hope that this story shows you that he is, that he is there with you, that he is walking with you through whatever it is that you're facing. And he will be with you and he will give you encouragement. You see, what you feel isn't always what's true. What you feel isn't always what's true. That's why you can't trust your feelings. So put your hope in God's promises, not what you see or what you feel. I hope that means something to you today. You see, this is why you need to be careful with your feelings because your feelings will fail you at times, right? Your feelings need to line up with God's word and Jesus used his word to adjust their feelings of their lost hope. See, hope did not die. They thought it did, but death was about to be resurrected. What you view as dead, like I told you a couple weeks ago, could just be dormant. Some trees that you thought were dead at your house are certain they're sprouting now, right? You're like, I thought that was dead. No, they're just dormant. Some of you have hopes and dreams that are dormant. Well, keep feeding them and they will come back to life. God's like saying it had to happen this way. Again, this world, crazy stuff's going to happen before the return of Jesus, right? What I see in this world is like we, we need to be right with Jesus every moment. Do our best to love him. Amen? Amen. And then Jesus, he did, he, he's pulling some stuff here. I love it. He peers and then he, he's pulling some things because I think Jesus had a sense of humor. It says, uh, so he acted like he was going to keep going. And they're like, no, 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 stay with us, stay with us. Why, why do you think they were so adamant about him staying? Because he was feeding them something that was encouraging them. They were down in the dumps. They're like, we lost, our team lost, our lead lost. And Jesus started just breathing life into them. And, and they're like, can you just stay with us? Because, man, what you're seeing is resonating with it. What you're seeing is giving us some hope here. Okay, there, there's some bigger things going on than we thought. I mean, we thought it was over, but I, I, what you're telling us is it's not over. And they're like, would you just come and have dinner with us? It's, it's, a, it's almost night. Just come and stay with us. And so Jesus t- accepts this invitation, and he always will. He always accepts the invitation to spend time with him. He breaks the bed, and, and he opens it again. He just, just disappears. And they're like, it's him. And they go chucking back. Ah, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Hey, Peter, he's alive. We know. <laughs> Can't you just act excited? I bought my son a, a birthday present recently, and he saw it on Amazon, so he knows it's been coming for a week. Um, that's the bad part. Amazon needs to make a, make a hide thing, right? You can't. This is crazy. What I should do sometimes is order it for something and then cancel it. <laughs> oh, you thought it was coming, huh? Gotcha. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be evil, but it would be really funny. Um, it would do it. Jesus like, I ha- it had to happen this way. And here's... Again, they felt something in their hearts when he spoke. Okay. My encouragement for this is hang around people who will make your day better. And that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to spend time with Jesus because he made their day better. He gave them some hope and he appeared and they realized he, he really is alive. And really, this was just the beginning of their, their walk with God in a way that they never anticipated. They walked with Jesus physically for three and a half years or so. And now they get to walk the rest of their life because they know he's risen. They know he's alive. He know, they know he's with us. And that's how we need to be today. He is with us through the trial. Hope has not died, guys. Hope is still alive, okay? And I'm here to tell you that. There is hope. As long as you're breathing, there's still hope. God has a plan, and his plan is good. Page eight, you ready? It's only half a page. But I can make it a long time if you're not with me, okay? Thank you. All right? Amen means we get it. Let us go home. Sometimes I just test. I'm like casting just to see if you bite on what I'm, I'm throwing out there. All right, they go back and he's alive. All right, it's a, it's a great thing. So as your hope died, let me tell you this. This is handwritten stuff that I think about after I write this message out, that, that God's plan doesn't die with your current circumstance. Okay, God's plan does not die with your current circumstance. He has a plan and no man can stop it. So hold on to his promises. Okay, the Bible again says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You, you will be called to your moment he takes you home. Be active in what God has called you to do. Do the best that you can with what God has given you. And he may not keep you from bad situations, but he will get you through them. Amen. 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 Pages. 
eight pages. Next week we'll try ten. No, it was, it was, yeah, it was one of those messages I thought this could take a long time to preach, but it wasn't too bad. 1219, that's earlier than normal. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Sometimes a short meal is what's needed, right? So my question for you today before we go is, is are you right with Jesus? Because, man, if, if you're not, nothing I said today really is going to matter. The, the fact is, is that we need to be right with God. We need to give our lives to him if we never have all right, to give our lives to Jesus. And when I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And here's how we do it here at our church. Um, if everybody would just bow their heads. And this is just kind of a private moment between you and God and, and me. Because I asked you the question is, is, are you right with Jesus? And if not, if you've never given your life to Jesus, do you want to? And if you want to today, if you want to get your sins forgiven, if you want to be headed to heaven when you die, you have to make this decision. You have to serve God. You have to give your life to him. And it's really simple. It's just confessing our sins, saying, Jesus, I believe you died for me, and I ask you to forgive me. It's a simple prayer. And if that's you, if you would just lift your hand up or I can see it, I'm not going to point you out. Okay, I see your hand in the back. Okay, you can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, all right, I see your hand. Okay, I see yours. Okay, I'm not going to take a long time. It's not my job to push. Jesus, my job is to offer. And so I've seen three hands, and if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to pray the prayer with us, please do, that you can walk out of this place headed to heaven. When you walked in headed to hell, you can walk out headed to heaven. Now let's pray this together. We pray it as a church family. So church, just repeat after me, please. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You just, you just got your ticket to heaven. Amen. Amen. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Amen. If you need a Bible, uh, we have a, a new believer's handbook. Okay. If you're new to, you're like, okay, how do I be a Christian? Uh, the information booth is open right after church and they're free. So if you need a Bible or this little handbook, it'll kind of help you. Okay. What do I do now? It's like a, a next step thing. So, um, and let me pray for you. If you would, I, I didn't do this first service. I probably should have, but, uh, if you buy your heads, if, who's, Who's just going through some stuff? Let me, can I pray for you? Okay, you can go put your hands in. Lord, you've seen the hands that were raised, and I believe that this, this message was from you. That was my heart, is to offer a message of hope when we don't see it, when we go through rough things, and we're like, hey, God, where are you at? And I pray for every hand that was raised today that you would show them where you are, that you are right next to them, just like you were to Cleopas, and what's his name? <laughs> Father, you were right there. And I thank you so much for promising us you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And we give you the praise for that. Bless them in their situation and let them see light at the end of this tunnel. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you all. Thank you again so much for being here. If you're brand new with us, again, there's a coffee cup, the information booth will give you, it says Change Life Church on it. Um, that way you can remember to pray for the crazy pastor when you're drinking coffee. And again, life groups are tonight. If you're interested, right above the drinking fountains is the information uh, that start at six o'clock. And Wednesday night, seven o'clock, we have full things for all the kids. If you're interested in any ministry, talk to Pastor Stevie or one of our staff. Love you. Have a wonderful afternoon.